Hey, and welcome to another edition of Amana Podcast. Amana is a collective of people, places, things, and actions that transcend us. Exploring living through your higher virtues, how you lead your life that way with those virtues, and what takes you off track, and how do you get back on? And today, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Nick Siegel. Say good day, Nick. Good day. So, Nick, um, as, as people know, I don't do bios here, but I, I do do some intro. And Nick has been a friend for certainly over 20 years, and we've, we've had great times together, both professionally and personally, and on the golf course, of course. So, Nick, let's, let's maybe kick off around your career in the real estate game. I know that you've had uh, other careers besides that, but you seem to be in that one the longest and let's discuss some of the things that would be your virtues or what you value about doing business in real estate uh, and what you care about there. Well, I appreciate that, Mark, and thanks for the opportunity to get together with you. Uh, so real estate, real estate is not a, a virtuous <laughs> profession in many respects. It's a very mercenary profession with uh, high degrees of emotionality and ego. And so to consider the virtue within it, I, I, I believe that our virtues come from within and then we can apply those virtues to whatever uh, the venue, whatever the environment. And real estate is a, an incredible challenger to stay within uh, one's own integrity. And I learned that early on in the business. I got my license in 1989 and quickly realized that uh, this is a business that is going to challenge every uh, moral fiber. And not, not because, you know, real estate is a bad profession. It's just the business model is built in such a way that you don't get paid until the deal closes. Yes. And so that makes it challenging for people to stay true to who they are, to their belief system, and to conduct them conduct themselves accordingly. So, um, you know, I've got all sorts of stories around how I've I've been able to navigate my way through that. But that's the the backstory. That's the the premise. And yes, and I'm a huge proponent that virtue and integrity and honoring one's word and and the fabric of who we are as human beings. Uh, has a place in real estate and it has a place in every walk of life. And, and what would be a value that you've worked to instill in, in your practice? Honoring my word. That, that's, that's the best way I know to uh, be true to myself is to make only the commitments that I can back up. So that's a practice that, that we can employ every day of our lives. And what it, what I, you know, there's a gentleman by the name of John Roger, whom we both know very, very well. And happy yes. birthday to him today. Yeah, happy birthday. And on the 24th of September, um, the idea that how do we trust ourselves? How do we ask for trust from others? Well, I can't ask you to give me your trust if I don't trust myself. It just does not work. I, we are animals at, 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 in the final analysis on this level, and we can sense it. We can sense it in each other. We sense fear. We sense um, all sorts of uh, emotional aspects of who we are and at a very visceral level. And so when I got clued into that idea that, oh, 
if I honor my word, I have a much better sense of trusting myself. And thereafter, then I can ask for people's trust. Uh, back to real estate, you know, there are very few contracts when it comes right down to the rapport building and the initial engagement of, of you know, working with someone as a client, uh, you know, the service business in and of itself. So that trust dynamic started with, as soon as I started to honor my word, I then knew that I could back that up and I trusted myself more and then in turn could ask for trust from others. I didn't always get it, but that was the, the, the foundation. Nice. And, and do you have any good stories where that's really that come to mind at this moment, because I haven't prepped you on anything, that where that's really been challenged for you and, and, and what did that look like and how are you, how did you grapple with perhaps a potential situation? Yeah, so early on in in the business of real estate, I would be sitting in living rooms and um, I would ask people for them to sign a listing agreement, a, a period of time where they would entrust me to sell their house. And these terms normally last six months. Well, the vast majority of the people that I was meeting out of the gate, they didn't know me. And so for to ask them for that period of commitment with limited proof that I could actually deliver for them or I would deliver for them or I would honor my word. I was in a room one afternoon. I said, well, listen, if I don't do everything I say I'm going to do for you, you can cancel the agreement with 24 hours. I mean, if, if, if you, if you can demonstrate that I haven't done something I said I would do, I think it's incumbent upon me to make that offer to you. Well, in the real estate world, that's crazy talk. Once yeah. you get the, once you get it, don't give it up. You're right. And I said, well, how can I not not give it up if I don't do what I say I'm going to do? So I went back to my broker, uh, my boss, as it were, um, and I said, hey, I'm I want to do this. I want to be able to give people an out if I don't honor my word. And I knew I had a partner in that moment when he said to me, well, why wouldn't we all do that? I said, I, you know, I was new to the business. What did I know? Um, I go, yeah. So not only did he embrace the concept, it became part of the fabric of our company at the time. And we called it our service guarantee agreement. And we built it in to the terms of the contract. And I started presenting this to my peers in our little small boutique company. And not everybody wanted to embrace it. But those that did it served them very well. So there is a shining example of putting my money where my mouth was. And it became one of the, the true uh, differentiators for us as a company because we were willing to you know, terminate agreements that are hard fought and uh, you know, people vie for. So yeah. uh, it's got great power to it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've, as a outside observer of you, if I may, that I, I, care, I care about a value that, um, that I think you treat very preciously, and that is uh, relationships. Mm. I experience you as a tremendous friend to not just myself, but to a lot of people, um, that you're really there for them, but you also have... Uh, an expect uh, expectation is the wrong term. Um, 
healthy esteem of how you're going to be a, be received as a friend also and give, giving as a friend, meaning you won't take any nonsense and crap from too many people. <laughs> um, you, you, you will have a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun, but it's yeah. like you don't, you know, people who just aren't going to play at a higher, in a higher ground, if you will, they're not going to last too long around you. And I'd just yeah. like you to share a little bit about when you became more conscious of that in your career or in your life, perhaps, and how you've gone about nurturing relationships. Yeah, well, I appreciate that first and foremost, uh, Mark. And uh, I value our friendship because it is a two-way street, because friendships are, I am there for you when you need it. And I trust that you are there for me when I need it. Um, and, and, and a friendship is... It takes work, it takes time, it takes investment. And I learned early on that if I was giving of myself, I was giving of myself because I genuinely wanted to give of myself. I didn't give from that place of I needed something back from you. I gave just from the overflow of who I am. And that made it joyful, made the joyful giving. Uh, but if I felt that I was being taken advantage of, or if I felt it wasn't being reciprocated, I knew I had plenty of opportunities to find that reciprocity. And so I just started honing my time and being discerning with my time as who am I getting something back? Uh, who am I spending time with where I'm getting something back in return? Because they genuinely want to give from that place where we weren't asking anything of each other. We were just giving to each other. And those are the best relationships. And, you know, I got a quick story where, you know, my father was a screenwriter and we'd come to Los Angeles from the East Coast and he was starting to hit. And he ran into one of his friends, uh, we'll call it acquaintances, from, the, from New York. And this now was a big actor. And so he had the meeting, you know, they bumped into each other. I think they're at Warner Brothers Studios. Um, this actor said, so Fred, we got to get together. And, and my father said, well, you know, I'm just getting settled. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll see each other. But he didn't make it an overt commitment. Right. And so afterwards, you know, we were like, my sister and I were like, wow, are you going to, are you going to, you going to meet up with that person? And again, he goes, ah, I got enough friends. And, and that was so telling to me that it didn't matter who you were on the outside. It's who were you on the inside? And that's who my father gravitated towards. And he had his own spiritual path and he realized how precious time is. And, you know, it's ironic because he was no longer with us 18 months later. He died of cancer, mm. but he, he'd established that place inside of him where, where am I going to spend my time with? And where, where is that quality of life? And, and our friends are an extension of, of that quality of life. So that, that, that's where it started coming into focus for me as I, started to have a family and I started to realize that I only have so many hours in a day and who am I spending my time with? And, and is there the like-minded consciousness? Is there, from my perspective, is there a spiritual focus? Because that's very important to me. That's lovely to hear. And the other, I guess, compliment that I would say for you is you have not just an ability suit, but in, with intention is to hold a place for people to participate. I think some of your roles in your career, that of being a president of uh, a few different agencies now in the real estate game allows people a space to come and participate. And you've set a lovely tone 
with a lot of the work that you've that you've done in how to encourage people really taking good care of themselves, hence taking good care of each other's. And and you, in fact, you've written a book on it. And maybe you share a little bit about your book and and what prompted the book that you wrote and the name of it. Well, the book is called On Your Terms, and I wrote it with my wife because she's a much better writer than I am. I'm a kind of an idea guy. And the book was really a distillation of um, a series of seminars that I put out to my real estate team to to teach them um, or really present to them. You know, I don't think we teach anything. We present information. And when you're in a space where you are poised to receive it, you then gravitate to the learnings and you you incorporate that into your life. So I presented this information based on my experience of intentionality and, you know, having a very clear idea of what, what I want out of any meeting, any relationship, and then in terms of career, out of a career. So what, what do I want to achieve? What is my intentionality of that? How do I come into focus on that? And then how do I move forward in that way through effective time management uh, staying on purpose, setting uh, benchmarks along the way to know on course, off course, and and really create uh, a trajectory. And so that was a, a portion of the book, um, but also uh, great compassion uh, for ourselves. We're doing the best we can with what we know in, in any given moment. I believe that um, some people may not, we may not receive it as such, but yeah. I think people are genuinely good. Um, so the idea of creating that book was really just um, a reiteration of of the work and the presentations that had been going on. And, and it served everyone very well. And then, then the third component of the book was a negotiating strategy, nine, nine keys that, that I employ as a negotiator um, that have universal application. So that was really w- what the book was. But I... I you know, when I consider back to friendships and and people I spend time with, it's really about how accountable are we to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, blame becomes such a an easy um, fallback. You know, well, it's your fault. Well, what did you know? What did you have? What was your role in it? And I think the more we can be accountable for our actions, the the more graceful life we have because we can. Uh, realize when we when we've stepped in it and how quickly can we you know uh, as john John roger would say take out a ladle and eat it whatever that karma is that we need to eat to get through it so we don't have to repeat it so blame seems to bring the lesson back again but accountability gives us the opportunity to learn the lesson and then move through it so no that's well said i was having a conversation with someone today about you know and i've been fortunate i guess with my father teaching me a lot of life skills at a young age. And when it came to relationships, he always proposed the question, what's yours, what's mine, what's ours? Mm. And how do you break that up? Because otherwise mm. you get into the right, wrong or the blame game and, and that just doesn't really help anyone. Um, it doesn't. It takes courage to be accountable. It certainly no. does. It does. And the higher the stakes, often the, the, oh. the courage. So, Oh, my gosh. And, and 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 with it, it takes sacrifice. Um, am I willing to, you know, if I have an attachment to this relationship, but I've done something that's out of my own integrity, do I have, am I willing to risk it 
the whole relationship and their opinion of me to come clean and to be truthful in the moment. I, I, I found many times, the vast majority of the times, those relationships get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for, our li- yeah. for our listeners, you know, in our podcast notes, there'll be a link to your book and it's also on Audible, which I thoroughly enjoy because you have such a wonderful speaking voice. So uh, if people want to check into that book, that'll be available through the podcast okay. notes. Um, let's jump into the nuts and bolts a little bit about current times here, at Nick, and the way you're seeing the real estate game. Uh, obviously, due to COVID, things have changed, and uh, I'm sure some positive things and some things that are more challenging. I'd, I'd like to hear your viewpoint of how you're seeing things um, on, on both on both sides. Well, I, I, COVID has has presented to us as a nation um, the opportunity to really evaluate our priorities and home becomes a very critical component to that. And one of the reasons why I think the real estate market has gone up across the country and in, in, in virtually every single market yeah. um, has been because home is that much more important. And because people are spending more times in, in their, their home environments, they want those environments to be as wonderful as possible. Uh, and so they invest in their homes. If they're not happy where they are, they want to get out of that home and to get into another home. And then a byproduct of that is, well, if I'm spending more time in my home, I don't need to be in my office. So how do I make my home more of my office? And then there's you know, money has been cheap to borrow. So you can uh, leverage up if you can find a home. Uh, the you know, inventory is very constrained right now. So that's yes. that's a challenge. Supply and demand 101, right? So that that also drives prices. Money's cheap to borrow. Um, so there are those dynamics. But then people are realizing, well, I can write off some of my home as my business. And so the creatives, uh, those that can work from home, have have adversely impacted commercial uh, real estate uh, spaces. So that's been um, one of the immediate uh, results of of COVID. Um, So I think that's, that's the effect it's having on the consumer side, the brokerage side, people are realizing they don't need to spend money on all this brick and mortar, uh, Right. You know, one of my offices, just my Beverly Hills office alone, with my previous company, Partners Trust, um, you know, in Beverly Hills, we were paying $70,000 a month wow. for this space. And, yep. you know, and that includes the parking and, blah, 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 blah. and, you know, maybe 10, 15% of, of the capacity was filled at any one time. And many times you could shoot a cannon through there. So, you know, I'm, I, I've been charged with a, with a new company in Southern California that's much more mobile-driven first. And one of the competitive advantages that we're going to have against traditional brokerages, we're not opening with brick and mortar. And so a lot of the money that we're saving uh, is going to be able to be passed along to the agents and to give them more competitive commission structures and splits and give them more latitudes in living rooms if they need to make a concession they'll have that opportunity. So everyone becomes more empowered that way. Uh, and the advent of technology uh, is stream, streamlining the process as well. So 
But those those are the the proofs that uh, I think the results that COVID has created, both to the consumer and to the business itself. And can you just give a shout out to the new company that you're uh, with yeah. your new venture? Yeah, it's a company called Avenue Eight, and that's a numeric eight. Based out of San Francisco, uh, two very smart guys. One comes from a, uh, an advertising background. Uh, the guy was a, a realtor up there, and they uh, knocked on my door. And at first, I said no, thanks, but I'm happy to share. Here's a classic example, right? I'm, I have no interest in going to another brokerage, but I'm happy to share any information I can to help you with your process as it unfolds. And just because I was willing to share everything that I knew, they, they said, well, we, we really want you even more now. <laughs> I said, well, I've got a whole other enterprise that I'm endeavoring to do. Uh, I said, but I'm going to be at you know my house in Pebble Beach. You're welcome. They're from San Francisco. Drive on down. I'll meet my wife, meet my daughter, and I'll make you lunch. And and, and we really hit it off. And I, and I found out that there was something there and but i said if you want me to be your guy i need the authority to hire the people that i want to hire and and really help craft it and they gave me those latitudes so that became attractive and i got to exercise my creativity in the business so avenue eights that's a new venture probably only a couple of months into it but we're making great strides in a hurry and they're going to be opening up in manhattan as well so but they want to be a national brand um, and I'm charged with Southern California. So, uh, it's exciting, exciting times. Yeah, it is exciting. Uh, you know, and I was, so I live in this little town called Ojai, which you're familiar with. And, and I love Ojai. It's, it's, uh, a small little town that's, you're not really going to build out here because it's a mountain town and it's a valley. So one of the things that certainly has happened here is real estate, uh, just went through the roof, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, 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 and to what you're saying, I was speaking to an economist last night on a podcast and uh, we were talking about how, how much this market is inflated or fabricated, you know, when's that bubble going to pop? And it'll be interesting to see it, its, its unfoldment. But what I was going to say is, um, you know, there's real estate in Ojai is a very popular and competitive market space because it is difficult for little businesses to get ahead here. So people who are looking for a good income and uh, have good real estate abilities and the skills that go into that, such as communication and, and uh, understanding legalities and contract work, um, those people have had real windfalls. So it's created a little bit of feast and famine. Now, I'm sure you've seen this over the years, Nick, but do you notice that is there a lot of people running to be real estate agents right now? And if they, if that is true, uh, what advice would you have? Well, the biggest influence in real estate that I've seen in the last five years has been these reality TV shows yes. called uh, Million Dollar Listing, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and others, and fix and flip and blah blah blah. Yes. And but the what. Ah, uh, it just hurts my my aesthetic and my sensibilities. Is how they. <laughs> trivialize our business and how they make it seem one so easy yes. and two um this whole you know egocentric cutthroat nature well one it's all fake those deals have already been completed and you know they're, they're not in real time and 
they just take whatever glimmers of sensationalism that they can <laughs> apply to the deal and and then slap it up there uh, is what they do. But the influence has been, you know, if I'm 22 years old and I'm seeing these young hotshots in their Mercedes Benzes and their Rolls Royces cruising around in their Armani suits and they're just talking on the phone with the wind blowing through their hair <laughs> and they think that's it, that's what I got to do and, I, and I'm going to be mean and and and, and 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 rude to everybody and that's how i get ahead sign me up and yeah. i can and and you know they always show the, the commission price tags at the bottom as they're yes. in the middle of these deals so, so it's seduction on seduction and so that has influenced people's attitudes one from the outside looking in about what real estate agents are and what they do but also from the inside out as to how young guns are going to come into this equation and uh, you know make a difference uh, and 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 plant their, their flag in the sand. So, are people running into the game now? Yeah, they've been running into the game for quite some time now. Um, to the point where the Department of Real Estate, um, you know, has a backlog of, of of people processing people through to get their license. But it is, in many respects, not a glamorous business at all. It's a grind business. It's it's fraught with uh frustration and uh heartache at times but that comes with anything where the stakes are so high and the price tags are big and consider the education you need to get a real estate license you need a high school education or the equivalency of that and you can't be a criminal and you got to be 18 years old hmm. that's a pretty low threshold of entry and so you know, there are a lot of people that are getting in and they can make a lot of money, but that doesn't come without its cost. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate, um, make sure you have a sphere of influence that you can tap into. Make sure that you understand why you're getting into the business. And hopefully it's not just about the money, yeah. that there's a consciousness to be of service uh, because it is a wonderful service and you're helping people find their homes where they spend the ideally the joy of their life uh, and the security of their life. And that if you take it and look at it from that perspective, you can, you can, you can help people and, and create wonderful relationships. I've created wonderful relationships from my real estate mm. career. That's how I'd go into it. Yeah, no, thank you. That's uh, hopefully for the people who are interested or it's, it's showing up as a scratch inside of them that, that can give them some, some insight. I, I like the million dollar listing analogy because sometimes I will tune into those shows and I just shake my head because I know a couple of those dudes. And yeah. Go, oh my gosh, this is BS on steroids. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I, I go. You, you know, it's it's, uh, it's, it's TV? sugar candy. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> um, let's touch into another topic here which you have um, participated in in many levels, but that is of leadership. And so you, like you mentioned, you have several ventures running at this time, which makes your time pre more precious, I guess, or, or more, more assessed of where you spend your time and priorities and, and with family. And uh, I believe you've got dual locations of, of living quarters. Is that still accurate? It's still accurate. So... You know, there's, your life is as big as um, one may say. So when it comes to leadership, what are some of the, the values you care about being a leader? What would you instill in other leaders? And, and what, what are you learning about your leadership at this time? Mm. I love that question. Well, I think the first 
my first um, focus, and I don't call them rules because they're not rules, they're just intentions and focuses, and, uh, is that I, I won't ask anyone to do anything I wouldn't do myself. Um, and I, when I, in my role as, as, as a, a leader, anybody that we bring on that's going to be part of that team, I look at them as an essential part of that team. Mm -hmm. Um, no growth is created individually. It's a collective and I will, uh, my standard communication, um, is always one welcome to the team. You're part of something bigger and, and, and I'm going to look to you to really, whatever you're, whatever you're charged to do, that you will do it to the best of your ability. If you need help, please reach out. Yes. Uh, if you make a mistake, please own that and get out in front of it and let us know so that we can assist you in correcting it. I care less about the mistake. I care more about how you handle it. Yes. Because that then creates a culture of collaboration and trust and the people aren't in that blame game that we talked about. So I want people to stretch. I want people to feel they have the, um, the safety to stretch. And by, by letting them know right out of the gate, if you feel you've made a mistake, just please let us know so that we can help you correct it. And it may not be a mistake. It could be a, it could be a blessing in disguise, but that's, that's where we start. Um, and then I'm very big on punctuality. Mm -hmm. I think that is a much greater demonstration as to who we are and the honoring of people's time. And I'm very keen on, um, both definitive next action steps. So we have a meeting. All right, you're going to do this. You say you're going to do this. You're going to do this, right? Are we all clear that we all know what our next action step is? And what is your timeline to get it done? And I'm not some, I used to be, all right, so here's a learning for me. I used to say, all right, you're going to get that done by Tuesday at three. And, you know, I don't know what the full docket of on what's on their plate, right? But right, now I've just right. put an, a, an undue pressure on someone and because I'm the boss, like, oh, I got I got to hit this. And things normally break at that point. So what I will say is, and all right, so your next step is, when do you think you'll have that back to me? Yeah. And I give them the freedom to say, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow at two or whenever it is, there will be a definitive, you know, deadline, but it's, they create the deadline. Now, if I think that they're, if they said, well, in three months from now, I should have a pretty good handle on that. That's not going to work either. Right. So uh, there's, there's an internal mechanism here. But I want to give everybody the ability to win. And winning comes from hitting our marks. And so uh, I'm a big fan of just saying when we have that done. And is that realistic for you? Do you think you can get that done? Yep, I can get that done. Great. And if you can't, get out in front of it and let me know sooner than later. And if you need to you know, renegotiate that timeline, just let me know why, what's come up, and we'll look at it. And so they're pretty basic designs but they have a consciousness underneath them yes. that ideally is honoring is collaborative because i want to create cultures where everyone feels challenged and yet safe to explore the best of who they are uh, very nicely put um another question for you is we've talked about you know real estate market in current times and i think when people often look at real estate uh, from the outside in and or real estate agents, so the game of being a realtor, 
we often look to the people who are winning and we go wow i could win too you know so there's there's some of the 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 magnetic attraction again but perhaps from a leadership perspective speak to um how you've helped people or you your advice for the realtor who may be really struggling you know sometimes there's agencies that have their own cliques mm. uh they partner up and you're kind of left alone or there's just you're not feeling you're in your stage of your life where you're dealing with a lot of personal matters perhaps i've coached a lot of realtors now throughout my career um and found that you know people are dealing with a lot in their life regardless of what their career or profession is um but the the competitiveness and the individualismness if that's a word it is now in my book mm-hmm. um can be very daunting for for people who aren't doing well or are struggling I should say in real estate and maybe they've done well in the past and they've fallen off so maybe just speak to that from a leadership perspective how you would encourage someone to uh to find their way yeah i would simplify the whole process and i would i would really look to what do i have control over in this moment because mm. the problem is when we when we we get into the judgment of comparison you know i'm not doing as well as this person or that person we are digging ourselves a grave and i do it constantly i'm talking to myself right now i anybody who's competitive mm. cannot help <laughs> but yeah. compare themselves to other people it's like one of the mechanisms of this life right yeah and when someone can figure that out you get them on the podcast and i'm tuning in brother <laughs> because uh but because we do have competitive natures i mean Absolutely. we have survivalistic instincts and we want to provide for ourselves and our families we want to have a great life so if if there's the 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 sensation feeling the judgment of i'm not doing as well as i should be yes i would just i would encourage someone to slow down literally look at the landscape in front of them and say what are my strengths and really be a, a, you know candid and ask someone else you know oftentimes we're so close to ourselves we aren't we're not seeing what's truth and what's fiction and mm-hmm. so say you know asking a, a dear friend what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses you know where is there room and I, and i would position as what is my room for improvement you know and more often than not when we get our personal life in order when we when we come into more balance and we start to honor ourselves honor our words start to trust ourselves more we then will we will conduct ourselves differently in any given room um i'm to the point now where i just say just get me in the room mm-hmm. you know i i'm comfortable enough in my own skin i know my strengths i know where i need to delegate to, and i'll bring someone else in and let me read the landscape of the room what do you need you know how can i assist and maybe i can and maybe i can't but again that consciousness there's there's limited attachment to an outcome it's more of let me stay present and when people are struggling they're grasping Yeah. and they're not trusting themselves. And so why aren't you trusting yourself? That you know, if there's an issue here, what is your what is your hand in it? You know, now we can go back to accountability versus blame. Well, I can't get arrested, I can't catch a break. Well, what are you doing to catch that break? 
And and what are you not doing? Are you staying in bed till 10 in the morning because you're depressed? Are you yeah. are you up late at night? Are you drinking heavily? And then, you know, you're trying to fire up the machine. Uh, I can do that at 22 years old. I can't do that at 60. Yeah. You know, it, 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 so understanding what's in front of us, where are our strengths? Where is their opportunity? Where do I lack confidence? If it was real estate, is there a dynamic of the business that you where you don't feel confident? You got time right now because you're not busy. Focus on the dynamics where you think you can you can enhance your level of confidence in yourself as quickly as possible. Because having watched many people, and I'm sure you have as well, Mark, when you're in a room with someone and a question is asked and they're not confident in their answer, you see the fumfer, you see all of the dance, and you the eyes dart, and they go, oh, ah. it's over. <laughs> You're done. You, you, whatever trust and whatever credibility you have built into that meeting, you now just pissed it away. So I made a point to 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 be confident and really look at the dynamics of where I was not confident and beef up my my level of knowledge and expertise, so that when you ask me that question, I've got an answer for you. Because mm-hmm. I never want to. I, I encourage a- anybody. Don't go into a room with a question that you hope won't be asked of you. Yeah. You know, don't, because you're thinking nothing more than about, oh God, I hope they don't ask me that. Oh, I hope they don't. And you're not present. You're not, you're not playing your strength. All you're doing is on your heels waiting for, or in fear that they're going to ask you that question that you're going to have trouble with. Figure out the answer to that question. So when they, when they serve it up, it's a softball down the middle. Beautiful. Uh, we've got a f- about five more minutes here, and I wanted to touch into the personal side of your life. And uh, the question that's just popped into my mind is with your three great children, mm. what are they teaching you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, let's start with Did I say five one. minutes? <laughs> <laughs> my, I, I am such a so, – okay, so for uh, – I've got a 31 year old, a 26 year old, and almost a three year old that's 60 years old. So I, I, I've got, I've had opportunities to learn from the first set. And if they're listening, Ted, Annie, I apologize for my ignorance uh, and my youth, you know, and my own desire to conquer the world at, you know, 28 and then 33 when we adopted Annie and Ted. Um, I've learned that their life is their life and I'm there to love them. Mm. I'm not there to constrain. I'm not there to inflict my authority over them. I am there to love them and guide them and keep them as safe as I can. And that's come after years of, you know, friction and animosity where I'm, you know, passing on, how I was raised as a kid and what my father did. And that's how you do it. And that's not accurate. You know, we, we all evolve. And so now with Lily, uh, who's going to be three in November, I take a much different approach. I'm much more patient. I'm much more uh, available and present to just listen. She is a full blown human being. She's just in a little body and she's kind of reptilian in her her mind development and it's she's not working the frontal lobe yet it's in the back and so <laughs> i gotta honor her and but when she's screaming it's not my place to say hey cut it out 
you know, be quiet, which I did the first time around mm. or in public. Oh my God, don't embarrass me. Well, fuck all that. Excuse the expression. It's, yeah. you know, that we're all human beings. And so the relationship I have with my, my, with Annie and Ted now is wonderful. It's very sweet. I, you know, that I, they call, they don't call. Uh, we know we love each other. And I've said to them, listen, you're adults now. If you want to have a relationship with me, um, it's a two-way street and uh, I'll be there for you if, if you want me to be. Um, and so they're finding their way. Uh, they really are. And uh, with Lily, um, you know, we I made her blueberry pancakes this morning and chicken sausage and nothing gave me more joy than doing that and then reading a book with her. Forget my, my day, I know it was all scheduled out. I knew the beats along the way, but being present enough to have that time to be with her and to watch her experience the wonder of life is it it gives me the ability to see it that way too one of the things that well it's probably been a couple of years since i've been in partners trust office but you were doing very early on with lily which was scheduling time to be home and be with her yeah and you know, I think for people who are dealing with work-life balance and the busy trap and, you know, bosses saying stay later and wanting more out of you and all of that, the more boundaries that we take with our own inner authority around those things, um, and you may not end up in that position or that job because of it, because it's so strong. And I saw how strong that priority was for you is to be there. And I, I just have great admiration for that. And it, it's showing up is, uh, as you alluded to earlier, is just such, uh, it's half the battle. You know, it's yeah being there, but then being there and being present is, is the next piece of it. So. Well, you know, the more present we are in every aspect of our lives, the more we can achieve. Yeah. I mean, because you, can, you, 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 your perceptions become that much more acute and uh, refined because you're picking up the nuances of what's being presented to you. My golf game t tends to tell me that. <laughs> the great which, which equalizer. <laughs> well, that, that's the ultimate game. Right? That's the, the trust game, right? You're standing over the ball, do I trust this swing? That's, that's, so that's what keeps me mesmerized by it. And, and, you know, can I truly enjoy this shot? No matter where I love the line you say when, when, because you pound the ball, for those of you who don't know, Mark is a very good golfer, can be a little erratic sometimes. True. And then when he, he sprays that 300 yard drive that's supposed to go straight and it maybe goes into someone, someone's yard, Mark just goes, Taxi, yeah. <laughs> get me out of here. But I always think you need a taxi to get to the ball to go find yeah. it. <laughs> That's how I've interpreted it. Does it mean get me out of here? It means get me out of here. I can't deal oh, with that. Oh, I see. I thought we were getting on a cab to go find the ball. And uh, stuff, I could be that know. too. The other one I got is perfect. No matter perfect. what, I, no right. matter what I do, it's perfect. That's right. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> you got to tell yourself something. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, just finishing up here, Nick. Just any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners and. Uh, ways that people could reach out to you if you're if you're open to that sure sure well first and foremost forgive yourself for whatever judgments you've got i i know it's a simple statement but please uh we beat ourselves up so much we're doing the best we can 
mm-hmm. with what we know in that moment. And uh, if there's a learning, you know, grab that learning and and act on it. But forgive yourself the past because carrying that stuff with you, I'll speak for myself, carrying it with me, it gets very heavy and it slows me down. So yeah. uh, give yourself a break. And uh, yeah, I can always be reached at Nick at NickSiegel.com if you have a question that you'd like to ask of me. I don't know how quickly I'll get back to you, but I will get back to you. So Nick and I C K at and I C K S E G A L dot com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for being my guest here. And I'm no doubt people are going to gain a lot of value here. So from my heart to yours, as always, I, I give thanks. Well, I love you, my friend, and and light ahead to all you're doing. I I, I love this this phase of your adventure you you have such great skill and such empathy and a huge heart and whatever i can do to assist that i'm front and center brother Mm -hmm. all right bye for now bye for now